Hello everyone. Before we get into the podcast today, I just wanted to talk to you about GlassesShop.com. My prescription can be pretty expensive. Um, If I were to buy in-store, my lenses alone would be $700 Canadian. And then after frames, it could be almost $900 to $1,000. And I don't have benefits. So that is out of my pocket. So it can be pretty expensive. And the last few years, I've been going online to purchase my glasses. And Glasses Shop offers prescription and non-prescription glasses, blue blockers, sunglasses, and readers for the whole family. Uh, Their online selection has more than a thousand frames and is updated regularly to keep up with the trends. You can shop with confidence by using the virtual try-on feature that um, shows frames that um, if the frames fit your face, if if it fits your style, things like that. And they have the best quality eyewear and at affordable prices. I think I pay $100 for my glasses online and sometimes they have great deals where you can buy one, get one. So you're getting Brand new glasses and sunglasses for an inexpensive price. Um, right now, you can save 50% when you sign up for the glassesshop.com newsletter and use the code newsletter. Um, the link is in the description. Now, let's get on to the podcast episode. So, this case was one of the biggest crime stories in the early 1990s. Um, It has been said to be one of the most sensational crime slash love love triangle stories of the 20th century. Pamela was born on August the 16th, 1967 in Windham, New Hampshire. Her parents are John and Linda. She has an older sister and a younger brother. Pam grew up in Miami, but before, or sorry, Pam grew up in Miami, Florida, before her family moved to Derry, New Hampshire, when she was in the eighth grade. When Pam attended high school, she was a cheerleader, and she was popular. And after she graduated, she went to Florida State University with a degree in communications. She wanted to be the next Barbara Walters. At that time, Barbara Walters was the person everyone had to be interviewed by. She had the ability to get people to really open up, um, from news reports to celebrities to true crime. Barbara Walters was able to get people to show emotions and share stories that you wouldn't get in a normal interview. At Florida State University, Pam had been the host of a radio, a college radio program. She always loved heavy metal music, like the 80s hairband music, and called her radio show Metal Madness. Pamela met Gregory at a party while she visited New Hampshire over Christmas break in 1986. He was a friend of one of Pam's friends. Greg was very handsome. He had big dimples, he always had a smile, and he was friendly to everyone. They shared a passion for heavy metal music, and Greg even had long hair at the time. 
break dated, but nothing serious, and he liked to flirt with the girls, and the girls loved it when they when he flirted with them. But friends said once he met Pam, it was over. He didn't want to be with anyone else. Greg was born on September 4, 1965, in New Hampshire, and he has two brothers. Unfortunately, with stories like this, I was trying to find more information on Greg, but I just couldn't. Um, anytime I looked him up, of course, everything about Pam came up. So I didn't really find too much about his background besides this. Yeah. So Pam and Greg had a long-distance relationship while she was at Florida State University. And Greg moved to Florida to live with Pam during her senior year. Friends said that they were really good together. They would playfully tease each other and be silly together. While living in Florida, Greg surprised Pam one day with a little Shih Tzu puppy named, or Pam named Halen, for her favorite band, Van Halen. When Pam graduated from FSU, they moved back to Derry and they married two years later. There were several problems with the relationship just before the wedding. Greg worked as an started work as an insurance agent, and he cut his hair to look more professional. Back then, yeah, long hair really wasn't accepted. It was kind of like you had to cut your hair if you wanted a professional job. You couldn't just tie it back in a, a ponytail or anything. Um, so when Greg cut his hair, Pam did not like it at all, and she was very upset. Uh, a few months into the marriage, Pam alleges that Greg admitted to being unfaithful while on a work business trip. So it really was not a great start to the marriage. Pam had a job as a media coordinator at a high school. Her job duties included writing press releases, creating short videos, teaching the students how to use the audio video equipment, and she would also organize programs like self-awareness programs and projects self-esteem, uh, which was a local drug awareness program. And students could attend or volunteer for sessions or events. It was at Project Self-Esteem where she met high school sophomore William, who went by Billy. They bonded over their mutual interest for heavy metal music. Pam also met a student intern named Cecilia, who was friends with Billy. Over the next few months, Billy and Pam began to spend a lot of time together. They would work on school projects, and Pam would also have Billy, Cecilia, and some other friends over to her place when Greg was out of town on a business trip. They would listen to heavy metal music, dance, watch R-rated movies, and sometimes drink alcohol. And one night, Billy and Pam had sex in the bed that she shared with her husband. He was 15 years old, and she was 23. Pam later said that she did not feel any guilt because her husband allegedly had a one-night stand with someone else. So kind of like an eye for an eye, I guess. <clears throat> Pam said that they only had sex five times, but Billy and others said it was much more. Because a lot of times they would have Billy's friends over and they would 
see things, I guess. <laughs> so while bonding and starting to have feelings for each other, Pam would open up to Billy, telling him Greg wasn't faithful in the marriage and fights that her and Greg would get into. When Billy would ask why she just didn't get a divorce, she would say Greg would get everything, the condo that they lived in, the car, their dog Halen. Pam would break up and get back together with Billy several times. And she started telling him that the only way that they could be together is if, was if Greg was murdered. At first, Billy was like, there's no way that he could do that. Pam and Billy would be together and then she would break up with him again saying that they couldn't be together because of Greg. Pam would let the boys use her car while she was at meetings in the evening and Billy later said that the cassette player in the car would be set to their favorite song or a song about being together and then Billy would feel guilty. Kind of a manipulation. Eventually, Billy gave in, saying that he would murder Greg so that they could be together. And at first, he thought he would just go along with it, and then Pam would kind of forget about it and not talk about it so much. But eventually, Pam and Billy planned that Billy would commit the murder with the help of his friends. They would stage the killing as if there was a burglary in the home. Billy discussed the plan with his friends, Pete and Vance and later asked Raymond to help. Pam said that she would give them $500 and that they could take anything they wanted from the condo that day. Pam would leave the basement door or the basement door unlocked to provide entry to Billy and Pete um, so they could sneak in before Greg came home. They were to park their car in a shopping center parking lot behind the residence and then change into dark clothes before approaching the condo. Pam said that they should wear gloves to avoid leaving fingerprints and they should also ransack the apartments, taking whatever they wanted as compensation. During earlier discussions, Pam said that um, her husband was to be killed with a gun in the hallway because she didn't want blood on the white leather furniture. She also told them to put the dog Halen into one of the bedrooms so that he wouldn't be traumatized. During the first attempt to murder Greg, Vance provided his father's 38 caliber revolver and borrowed his grandmother's car. Uh, Billy and Pete would go to the residence and then Vance and Raymond would stay behind in the car, kind of like getaway drivers. Billy, Pete, and Vance went to Pam's residence, but when they saw Greg's truck in the driveway, they abandoned the plan. The next day, Pam was so mad she was yelling and cursing at them, and they never heard her yell, at, yell like that before, and said that if they had to do it again, they knew that they couldn't back out, because they just did not want to hear her yelling and cursing at them like that. On May the 1st, 1990, it was a cool spring night when Greg returned home. Pam was, a, or Pam was at a school district meeting. Their first wedding anniversary was in six days. As he came through the front doorway calling the dog, Pete grabbed Greg, 
forced him to his knees, and Billy held a gun to Greg's head. Billy whispered, God forgive me, and then he shot Greg at close range. Greg was only 24 years old. They then ransacked the townhouse to make it appear as if the motive was a burglary. An hour or so later, Pam arrived home. The front door was unlocked and slightly open. When she opened it, she saw Greg lying on the floor. She immediately went to a neighbor's house and told them that Greg was murdered. When the investigators arrived, they saw a distraught wife, but they did notice some red flags. Pam said that she opened the front door and saw the body. Not my husband's body, not Greg's body, but the body, which to investigators was a strange way to put it. They also thought that it was strange that she immediately went to the neighbors instead of going to see if Greg was breathing, if he needed, you know, CPR, but she just immediately knew that he was dead. Investigators were immediately suspicious of Pam. Pam immediately started doing interviews. It was a shocking story. Derry was a small town. Random murders just didn't happen there. But it was Pam that contacted the reporters. It wasn't the reporters contacting her. During some of the interviews, it was almost like she was the one directing the interview. She would say, oh, I'm going to sit like this on my couch or... I have a piece of my wedding cake in the freezer. I'll take it out and you can have a shot of me looking at the wedding cake, kissing my husband, things like that. Some people thought it was just strange behavior for, for a grieving wife. On June 10th, Ralph, a friend of Vance, told Vance's parents that Pete and Vance had admitted their participation in the murder. Vance's parents took the gun to the police department, accompanied by Ralph, and ballistic tests confirmed that the gun had been used in the murder. Vance's father also said that he used the gun recently but didn't clean it after, and when he did go to clean it, it was already clean, so he thought that Vance had been playing target practice with it or something. The next night, June 11, 1990, Vance, Pete, and Billy were arrested. They pled guilty to reduced charges in January of 1991. Pam continued to do interviews, now saying that she was shocked that the kids did this. You know, she took them in, and she friended them, and tried to show them the right way, and they did this horrible thing to her. When the boys were arrested, Cecilia went to the police. She was the student intern that worked on a lot of projects uh, with Pam. Um, Cecilia went to the police and told them that she heard Pam talking in her office with Billy and Pete, planning Greg's murder. At the time, Cecilia told an adult that she knew, but the adult really didn't believe that the story or that it was an actual murder being plotted. So she said that Cecilia probably misunderstood what the conversation was really about. And at the time, it made Cecilia feel better. Police had their suspicions with Pam and asked Cecilia to wear a body wire. Cecilia was going to go meet Pam in her office. Um, so 
she wore the body wire, um, and when she arrived, Pam stood up and hugged her, barely missing the wire. Cecilia was terrified that Pam would feel the wire. Cecilia wore the wire several different times. Uh, Pam would say that the police wouldn't believe the boys, that like if the truth did come out, not like uh, outright, but she would just say, of course they're going to believe me, I'm a professional woman, instead of some 15-year-old. And she cursed like crazy, like every second word was a curse word. Billy and Pete were convicted of second-degree murder. They received a sentence of 40 years to life, with 12 years of the minimum sentence deferred for good behavior. The two other accomplices in the case, Raymond and Vance, were paroled in 2005. Both were in the getaway car outside of the home when Greg was killed. Pam is serving a life sentence at a correctional facility in Westchester County, New York. Uh, the case inspired the made-for-TV movie Murder in New Hampshire, which stars Helen Hunt as Pam. In 1995, Nicole Kidman and Joaquin Phoenix started a movie loosely inspired by this case called To Die For. Many media stories said that Pam was a teacher, but she worked in a school. Like She did work in a school, but she was a media coordinator. Greg's family said that Pam never contacted them. Fifteen years after her husband's murder, Pam's request for a pardon hearing was denied by the state in 2005. Twenty years after Greg's death, Pam did an interview and said, I'm so much more than the worst mistake of my life, and I feel like I've been frozen in time inside that mistake to get involved with Bill, and I've never been able to get out of it. In 2010, she did an interview insisting she was innocent. No, I did not. I never wanted Greg killed. I never wanted him to kill Greg. I never asked him to. I never insinuated I wanted him to kill my husband. Meanwhile, in another 2010 inch, or an, yes, in another 2010 interview, Greg's family said that without admission of guilt from Pam, they would fight to keep her in prison for life. Greg's father said, if it wasn't for her, Greg would still be here. She can be remorseful about going out with Billy. I'm just saying that if she ever admits that she did it, we may have some other considerations to talk to her about at that time. In a July 2014 interview with People magazine, Pamela called her relationship with Billy a horrible choice. On March the 12th, 2015, Billy was paroled on his 41st birthday. He said, I will always feel terrible about what happened 25 years ago. Parole will not change that. He also said, I know that nothing I can say here today will be of comfort to Greg's family. But at the very least, I sincerely hope that this will be the last time they have to publicly be reminded of their grief and I'm sorry for the pain I have caused them. 
Billy moved to Maine. He was placed in a work release program. Uh, Billy got married behind bars. He has a teenage stepdaughter and he, he earned his GED and electrician's helper license. He has avoided the limelight and has kept a very private life. On July 15th, all four people convicted in Greg's murder, except for Pam, were out of prison. Pam's spokesperson released a statement after learning of Billy being paroled. It read, in part, He has confessed to killing Greg in cold blood with premeditation. He comes home to his family in June. Pamela has constantly or consistently denied any role in the murder. By every standard, these disparities cry out fairness. In previous appeals, Pamela maintained she did not know that Billy was going to kill her husband. In, most, in the most recent appeal, however, she took responsibility for his death and apologized to his family. Pam recorded a statement that was sent as a DVD to the Attorney General's office in December 2015, saying, I offer no excuses for my actions and behavior. I am to blame. I regret that it took me so long to apologize to Greg's family, my own family, and everyone else. But I think that I, I wasn't at peace or sorry, I wasn't at a place where I was willing to own or face that. I was young and selfish, and I wasn't thinking about the consequences of what I was doing. But the state wasn't satisfied and denied the request. The Associate Attorney General wrote, Decades of lies cannot be undone in an in instant... Sorry. Decades of lies cannot be undone in an instant by newfound claims of remorse and a vague acceptance of responsibility. Pam told People Magazine in 2017 that she felt that the massive publicity surrounding her case hurt her chances for getting out of jail. In particular, she pointed the finger at Nicole Kidman's performance in the 1995 movie To Die For. Nicole Kidman never came to see me, she said. She never spoke to me. She never tried to find anything to the contrary of, you know, the skit they, they gave her. And she played a one-dimensional character. Um, it is unclear whether Pam has other options to get out of jail. For now, she will be serving her sentence in a maximum security prison in West in Westchester County, New York. On May 15, 2019, the Executive Council voted 4-0 to zero to deny Pamela a request for a commutation hearing, which is a form of clemency that reduces the punishment for a crime. In September 2021, Pam requested a commutation hearing in a letter to the governor and the executive council. On March 23, 2022, the executive council unanimously denied her third request.
So why would Pam have her husband murdered? You know, why didn't she just get a divorce? A lot of sites were saying that it was just pure selfishness. That she wanted the condo, the car, and after Greg's death, Pam collected $140,000 from Greg's life insurance policy, which is about $300,000 by today's money. You know, like, she started an affair, she was 23, and Billy was 15, like, old enough to know better. Um, you know, from the beginning, Billy was remorseful for what he did from when he was, you know, arrested from going on trial to the parole hearing. Like, he was always remorseful. And in an interview, or I think it was at a parole hearing, Greg's brother said he knows and believes Billy is remorseful, but you are here and Greg is not, and it is because of you that he isn't. Now, during the trial, Pam was an ice princess. You know, she took the stand on her behalf, but because of her icy demeanor, it didn't help. And some of the taped conversations investigators got from that body wire that Cecilia wore, where some of them were played in the courtroom, and, like, hearing her cursing, every second word is a curse, and then later interview, many years later, a juror said that the tapes pretty much sealed her fate. Like she was icy all of a sudden. She was icy, but she was trying to play the innocent during her trial, and then all of a sudden you're listening to this woman cursing every second word. Um, Pam never stopped doing interviews. Soon after Billy was convicted, he did a few interviews, but then he stopped saying that it was just too upsetting for him to, you know, retell what he did all the time. And Pam's story always changes, whereas the, the boys, their story was consistent throughout the years. Uh, first, Pam only knew Billy from school, and then, yes, she let them hang out at her home. And then she admits that she did have an affair with him. Um, so like, it just always changes throughout the years. Um, with the tapes, the wire conversations, she said that they were doctored when they were played in court. Um, then she said that she knew that Cecilia was wired. But it, like some of the things that she said, although she didn't completely admit guilt, admit that she had planned Greg's murder, but some of the things like you wouldn't say if you knew that somebody was wired. You would watch what you're saying. You would act all innocent. And I don't know, from what I heard from the tapes, that was not something that I would have said. But anyways, Greg's family said um, his death, of course, is still affecting their lives. But they like to focus on the good memories. Greg was buried in a family plot just a few miles from the place that he was brutally murdered. Uh, Greg's the youngest person to be buried in the family grave plot. He was also the first. Um, he was buried in a cemetery in Derry, New Hampshire, along with his mom, Judith, who passed away in 1998. 
and his dad, William, who passed in 2010. Greg's headstone says, You were taken from us much too soon, my son, but our love for you will never be taken from our hearts.